Welcome back to There It Is. So today we have somebody very talented, uh, over 35 years playing the saxophone. Uh, but we'll get into that here in a second. Roll intro. So now, 35 years playing the saxophone, band director and assistant band director at two different schools, played with multiple people, went to the CMAs not once, but twice. I want you to give a warm welcome to Doc Jeffrey Frazier. How you doing today? How you doing today, sir? Fine, sir. How are you? I'm good. I'm so in the intro, we talked a little bit about 35 years playing the saxophone. Yes. Please tell me a little bit about that. Well, I started like most band kids in middle school playing band. Uh, that was in 1974. Learned all that, went through high school with it. Um, met my wife, we got married. Of course, the family takes over, so there was a 10-year period where I, I didn't play anything. It was, you know, husband, dad, whatever. Did my thing. Mm -hmm. and. The church we were going to at the time, one of the uh, members there had passed and they knew I play, had played saxophone in school and they wanted me to play this particular song for the funeral services. And of course, I had to find the horn. I forgot where I'd packed it. I had, had to practice and everything and did it for that and it just kind of went crazy from there. Okay. Wow. So, actually being a musician, what does that mean to you? For me personally, it, being a musician, playing the music has actually helped me through some of the rough times in my life. That's um, like we had, you know, you and I had talked about earlier about uh, a wreck that happened in 2009 that I went through some heavy depression during that time because the doctors told me I couldn't do what I was doing professionally before. And you know, if that's all I've never known all my life, I mean, that's hard. You gotta take care of the family, you know, and, when you have it taken away from you like that because of somebody else's mistake, it's tough. And that, that helped me. And some of the professional uh, people that I know around the world, I contacted them and talked with them. They contacted me and, hey, man, it'll be all right. Just, you know, do this, do that. Uh, Boney James is an amazing tenor sax player. I talked with him quite a bit. Gerald Albright. Yeah, those cats helped me out quite a bit. Wow. So, I've talked to numerous artists and what I get from them sometimes is that in order to dive into their music or to make different songs, they have to dig deep on stuff that's going on throughout their lives. Does that help you and the things that you talked about just a second ago, did that help you with your music? Absolutely. Uh, everybody's different. You know, some of the struggles, me personally, that I've been through are not the same struggles that you've been through. Not the, not the same that my wife's been through. Even though we've been together, it, 
everything, everybody takes everything different. Everybody handles everything differently. And for me, when I play, I can concentrate on what I've been through and put myself into that. And that's what makes my sound mine because it's my experiences being put out there. Yeah. So how many instruments do you play? Is my wife gonna hear this? She might. Oh gosh. <laughs> uh, we were counting this up yesterday. Currently, between 17 and 20 different instruments. 17 to 20 different instruments? Yes, sir. That's amazing. Not at the same time. No, okay. no, no. We're not, you know. So do you play any instruments at the same time? Uh, two saxophones at the same time. Really? Yes, sir. So how did you, that's, that's amazing, I say that, but how, how did you ever think to come up with something like that? Uh, the actual story or what I normally tell people? The actual story. A friend of mine over in California does it with his band over there, and I thought he was nuts. And started looking for videos on YouTube of other, other people doing it, and there are some in uh, Texas, there's some up north. Haven't found anybody in Louisiana doing it. So one day at a, a show that we were doing, it was my turn to do a, a solo, and I thought, okay. So I did two at the same time, never even practiced it. And how'd that turn out? Uh, I thought it turned out well. My wife probably thought I was crazy, but you know, it's one of those things. <laughs> that, that is it. So would you say the saxophone is your main instrument? It is. Okay. Now, we talked a little bit before about how you're a band director and assistant band director yes, sir. at two different schools. Yes, sir. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, I'm currently the director at North Soda Middle School out in Stonewall. And I'm also the assistant to the high, uh, North Soda High School, which is kind of weird because we got football fixing to start and I'm trying to get rushed around for that. The um, Soda Parish had uh, approached me a couple years ago about taking over the middle school because the director at the high school was doing both schools at the same time. And both programs are growing and it just got too much for one person to handle trying to do two separate programs at the same time. And they made me an offer and well, sure, no problem, I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, uh, North Soda Middle School has the largest band program in the entire DeSoto Parish. Mm. Wow. So is that, has that been built kind of by you? Or? Yes. Okay. Up until uh, March when the COVID thing took over and some, because of the restrictions that, especially in this state, we I couldn't go do the uh, promotion for the, the new one, new kids coming in. So we, we had to put that off, but hey, it'll build, it's yeah. not a problem. Definitely will. So do you have any children right now that uh, you're kind of building up from the bottom to the top? At the school? At the school, like specific kids. That oh my gosh, I got, I got this one beginner drummer. Um, I'm not sure how to describe her. So, you know, school's been in since August 5th mm -hmm. in DeSoto Parish. This child had already purchased everything or mom did, the stuff required for beginning band. Mm -hmm. She's halfway through the beginning band book. We're not even through the nine weeks yet. Yeah. This, she is, she's gonna be amazing. She may be the next one you have on your show. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. So 
You performed at CMA? Yes, sir. With who? Uh, a fellow by the name of Shane Pons. He's a big country singer around here, and he had some connections over, and we went over three years ago, and went in, and Nashville's kind of weird when they're doing the CMAs. You have to kind of walk sideways between the people. Mm -hmm. Hopefully you don't step on people. And we went to where we were performing, and we had to wait our turn, because you know there's different acts doing their thing, and we mm -hmm. go in there and set up, and they give you a certain time limit to do everything. Yeah. They said there was like four million people there that week. Wow. It was crazy. Wow. First time I went, I, I played tenor sax. Mm -hmm. um, one of the songs that Shane does is called The Shane Train. Mm -hmm. I had to take the tenor sax and make it sound like a train horn, which has a distance, you know, notes that are not happy together. Yeah. Yeah. And we had to do that. Then the second time I went, I played keyboards for that. But it, same thing, had to step over people and, mm -hmm. yeah, had to park like a mile and a half away to even get there, had to carry all of our equipment. Wow. So playing for that, that large crowd, do you do anything differently as opposed to, you know, just kind of recording yourself in a studio? Not really. Same, same prep, same type of focus. Uh, Try not to concentrate on what the people are doing out there, because mm -hmm. sometimes that gets kind of weird. But you know, they're having fun, let them have fun. Just concentrate on what I'm doing. And... Do you, are you able to feed off of the crowd that makes you kind of possibly do something different? Depends on what the crowd's doing. Okay. If they're acting like, like, you know, respectful people not doing anything weird or anything like that, yeah, you can feed off of that. And it just puts more energy into the music. Yes, absolutely. So kind of walk us through like how you go preparing for a concert. <laughs> Obviously, the first thing is practice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've seen, over the years, I've seen um, some of my bandmates from whatever band I'm with, some of them just think they can just show up and, and not prepare for it. And well, if the people are paying, to come listen to you, man, put the best out there you got, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's my, that's my key thing, always do the best you can because they will keep asking for you to come back. Every time. Every time, yes. Every time. So, you said that you play with multiple bands, correct? Currently, no, Currently. Just, just one. So, in the past, it has been multiple bands? Yes. All right, and Right now, what's the name of the band that you play with? It's a group called Flashback. It's a doo-wop band. Okay. Uh, it's a nine-piece band. Really cool group of people. Uh, we've got some. We've got a couple of members that's been sick, not because of the the COVID, but you know just different things in life. And we actually get together and pray for them. Mm. And it's the only group I've ever been with that's done that. Really? Yes. Okay. Uh, one lady spent several years with per uh, Percy Sledge, traveling with him as a backup singer. Mm. The bass player, he used to 15 years with Charlie Pride playing bass. They're some top level cats now. Yeah. So I know you mentioned Percy, Percy Sledge. So yes, sir. You actually played with him before, correct? About 30 years ago, yes, sir. 30 years ago. Wow. How was that? Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. It was over in Marshall, Texas when I played with him. 
they, when he was still with us and everything, he would hire local talent to be his band, and I got to play baritone sax with him. Hmm. Did you learn anything while you were out there with him? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's that helped with the focus. Yeah. Because watching what the the other professionals were doing, yeah, I can glean things from them and apply it to my stuff, and it helped quite a bit. Yes. What would you say in the 35 years that you've been doing this? was the most influential time that kind of, I would say, slingshotted your, your, uh, your career, so to speak? Slingshot of the career. Probably about seven years ago, um, some of my band director friends in the area had been talking to whoever, I don't, I don't know who it was, um, the position for the Townsend Music Instructor for DeSoto Parish had come open. Mm -hmm. And several of my friends had put my name in the hat for that. And DeSoto Parish contacted me. We sat down, we talked. They made an offer. I said, hey, sure, cool. And here I am. So you've been with them for seven years. As a main instructor, I was a uh, substitute teacher for five years before that. Oh, wow, okay. But you have been doing, you had been playing the sax and multiple instruments before then. How come only then you thought about being the instructor? Uh, had a, had uh, a car wreck in 2009 that ended my career as a mechanic. And after I was healed, went through all the therapy and everything, I could still play, but I couldn't mechanic anymore. So I started uh, practicing on the, practicing again because I get the dexterity back in my hand because the wreck affected my entire right side. And the band director at uh, North Soda High School, we've known him back in the 1990s mm. before he was even married. And we just kind of hung out until we actually played together in a couple bands in his spare time, what little there was of that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So right now, what's your influences? Musically? Music. Uh, Boney James, Gerald Albright. Um, a real good friend of mine, Warren Hill, he's over in California. I, when we had the, had the wreck and I was still in all the, the bracing and everything that I had to wear, he actually invited me over there to play with him and I couldn't travel because all the, the regalia that I was wearing. Um, yeah, I've talked to him a bunch. So he's a big influence for me right now. So how does he influence you specifically? Uh, well, he, I don't know if I can share this. Some of the music tidbits that he's learned over the years, especially being on the West Coast, mm -hmm. uh, he, he had shared some of that with me. Usually musicians get kind of protective over their skills, mm -hmm. and he wasn't. He was just laying it out there. Hey, man, try this, do this, adjust this, you know. Mm -hmm. Really nice. Oh, wow. A lot, of, a lot of musicians don't do that. Yeah. Try to close hold that type of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, matter of fact, I had one guy from uh, South Korea informed me one time when I was questioning about something he was doing. Hey, you know, like, how was that? He goes, I can't tell you that. Really? You're in South Korea. <laughs> wow. And didn't share it at didn't all. Didn't share it. Ooh, no. Wow. Okay. So I know you talked about your influences right now. Uh-huh. Over the 30 years, I'm sure things have changed. But back before, 
Why did you even get into instruments, period? Why did I get into it? My mother played tenor sax in, in high school back in the day, and I thought that would be cool. So took up sax junior high, mm -hmm. and we had, uh, I don't know if they still do it now, but when I was in school, they had what they called career day. And a local saxophone guru came in and did sax a presentation of the saxophone, and I thought that was like the coolest thing since pockets on a t-shirt. Wow. And that started you with saxophone? Yes, sir. So I'm sure a lot of things kind of came up in between the years. How did you keep going? Uh, with the exception of the 10 year period that I didn't play, uh, play at church quite a bit. Uh, every once in a while I would do birthday parties or something like that, you know, just little tidbits every once in a while. And, like with these bands that I've played with over the last few years, um, some just by word of mouth, mm -hmm. people talking about me and th some of the weird things, like the double horn, you know. And once people watch me perform, then they, you know, we go from there. It just kind of keeps you going. Yes, sir. Okay. What would you say is your favorite genres? <laughs> All-time favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, R&B. R&B. And you play that? I do. Okay. And is that your favorite one to play? Uh, well, there's several that I like to play, but the R&B is the top one because that's the, the guy that came to my middle school when I was there and did the saxophone demonstration. He was the first chair alto sax for Ray Charles for 20 years. Hmm. And when I went to college, he's the one that got me in college because he had changed jobs or whatever. and Hey, come on over, I'll hook you up. And he hooked me up. Oh, wow. So lots of influence there. Uh, the doo-wop stuff I'm doing with Flashback, love that. Because mm -hmm. we get to kind of act silly sometimes with that, you know. <laughs> um, some of the old rock and roll that I played with another band, and it was okay, fine, but a lot of guitar-driven stuff there. So little chances for saxophone to really do anything unless mm -hmm. you're Clarence Clemens, you know, playing with Springsteen or something like that. Um, a lot of gospel music. I get lots of requests for that. Mm. So, throughout these years, yes, sir. have you ever tried to write your own music? I have. Matter of fact, I had to do some in college. Really? Sure did. That was part of our uh, lessons where we had to compose something. Mm -hmm. Then we had to turn it into a digital background and then play against that. So. So that was kind of, that was for class. Yes. So besides for class, did you ever have, did you ever do anything like that? Uh, not, not like what you're asking because right, you know, I haven't had the time because of being so busy doing so many other things. Mm -hmm. uh, last year I took the digital piece I did for college. The principal of North Soda Middle wanted me to do a, a morning presentation. Mm -hmm. And I kept thinking, okay, what am I going to do that's going to really blow these kids' minds? So I took it, I rearranged it a little bit, and I did the double horn thing over the top of this piece for that morning presentation. Oh, wow. Those middle school kids will never be the same. <laughs> At all? Nope. <laughs> wow. So how come you only did it for college, but you never did it again? I've never thought about that. I don't know. you never been interested in trying to write your own music? 
interested in it and never pursued it. Would that be something down the road that you might think? Yes. Okay. Good. Yeah, I think that would be that would be great. The the piece that you did for them that you did in college, how hard was that? Uh, setting up the chord structure wasn't that hard. Trying to get it into the digital form where you got, uh, of course, the digital drums and the piano and all that kind of stuff, that was kind of weird because you'd be listening basically to yourself record each part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you, you're still got in your mind that, hey, that's me playing that part. Yeah. And as you're trying to overlay the different uh, instruments, you get to think, oh, wait a minute, I could have done that different in the other parts. So you go back and re-record the other part. And yeah, I guess it's kind of crazy sometimes. That's a lot of work. It is. How long did it take you to do that? Almost an entire semester to get it where I wanted it. Really? Yeah. Then when I when I did it, changed it up for the middle school, I actually had to go in and change the length of it because the original one was like eight minutes long. Mm -hmm. And I only had three and a half to four minutes to do it, so I had to modify it to fit. <laughs> wow. So would you say Besides the kids that okay. you're working with right now, for like somebody in their 40s or something like that, that's trying to learn a new instrument. Okay. Do you think that could be done? When do you want to start? I've had students as old as 78. 78. 78. Wanted to play trombone. Mm -hmm. At his 80th birthday, he was hired to play a birthday party, even though it wasn't his birthday, mm -hmm. it was somebody else's. They hired him to play and paid him. Really? Huh? And you took him for, at 78. Not even knowing how to hold a trombone. Not even knowing how to hold it. Two years later. Yes, sir. He's being paid. asked to play at somebody else's yes. birthday party. Wow. So how does that process even look? For an older person, especially of that age, uh, of course he's retired, so he's got plenty of time to practice. Uh, one of the drawbacks for, say, a 40-year-old, they're still working, may still have a family. Mm -hmm. So sometimes things get, you know, the process gets in the way. Mm -hmm. Just how much you devote to it. In his case, he devoted quite a bit because his wife had already passed, and he sat there and two, three hours a day practiced. Wow. Okay. So somebody, so say your kids that are in school right now, they're trying to go down the same path you are. What does that look like for them? Um, I had a young lady. She's in ninth grade now. When I first met her, she was in sixth grade. Working with her two months, two months from not even knowing how to hold a, a flute. She was the first sixth grader ever in DeSoto Parish to make it into their talented music program through a, an audition process. I teach all my kids the same way. And now that she's in ninth grade at the high school, not only does she play flute, she plays flute, oboe, clarinet, saxophone, trumpet, and drums. Wow. In three years. So was that, was that something that you saw in her? Yes. Okay, and you were like, try this? Yes. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, in a minute, we'll come right back to it. But right now, we're going to go to these messages.
right, so we're back with Doc Frazier. Um, we talked a little bit about how it is getting to where you are right now. Yes, sir. What I want to know, you told me about the, the young girl that you taught to play multiple instruments. If you wanted to give some advice to people watching this that want to go down the same road, okay. play with those superstars, if you will, that uh, you play with, what would be that advice? Don't give up. Do not give up. Um, so many people, especially now with the things that are going on in our country, um, people just want to give up. You can't do that. Uh, there's a lot of things, especially like I see it in the middle school, kids are depressed, adults are depressed, you know, because we need the interaction, whether it's adults, kids, grandma, grandpa, whatever. Mm -hmm. Don't give up. Were there any times back in those 35 years that you were doing it that you came across times where you wanted to give up? Oh, yeah. I'm not, I, absolutely, definitely. And if it wasn't for my wife and a church family, I may not be here today. Very true. So that faith, that faith definitely helps you through. Yes. Okay. One thing I did want to say is um, the story, I know we talked before, but the story, uh, going through all that stuff, uh, the support from your wife, um, that is a very touching story. Uh, there were many times, I'm sure, like you said, that you could have gave up, but you just kept going. Yes, sir. Having somebody, well, not even somebody, but uh, a strong circle, I'm sure plays a big part in your success, right? Yes, sir. Having that faith, how has that propelled you throughout the years? Uh, Let's take the, in 2009, the car wreck incident. I wasn't allowed to leave the house for 18 months. And my wife was tired trying to, you know, help because there's a lot of things I couldn't do at that time. And there would be times that church members would bring food over. There'd be, uh, someone would come over and, and try to help the best they could. And, you know, we really appreciated that. And family, couldn't find them. Uh, work friends, couldn't find them but the church family was there, my wife was there. And that meant a lot, it really did. Because it's kind of like the, what we're going through now, you know, you can't have friends over, you can't have family over because of whatever. And I went through that in 2009 and the depression was real. It was seriously real. I gained 150 pounds from depression. It wasn't good, but that's one of those periods of my life. And if it wasn't for them people coming and giving me the encouragement hard to say what would have happened. Well, hard to say what would have happened to my wife because she yeah. was, bless her heart, she was doing everything she could. Struggle was real for her too. I'm glad we got you sitting here with us today because uh, I'm sure that that's going to touch a lot of people. Um, right now, with all this COVID stuff going on, how does that impact your life specifically? 
<laughs> Definitely had to learn how to take the middle school band program and do it virtually, digitally, electronically. Oh my gosh, that's, that is some of the weirdest things you have ever seen. Especially when you're trying to get your middle schoolers to, uh, to do their virtual lessons when they're used to doing it in person. Mm -hmm. It kind of freaked them out being recorded and then they have to turn it in, which is all, all that's new too, even for the teachers, because we had to go through three weeks of training mm. on how to make our lessons work virtually, digitally, whatever. And yeah, so we're still in a learning process ourselves, but the kids it just kind of blew their minds because they're used to being in person with their hands on an instrument of some type, mm -hmm. and now they have to do it virtually. So that brings me, brings me to the next question. So if it's virtual, are the schools like lending out instruments or how is that working? There's a process, if the, if the students do not have one because of the expense, like a, a $6,000 tuba or something like that, mm -hmm. yes, there's a process they have to go through and the parents have to sign a form and all that. Um, of course, they have to go through the office to, to get it. They can't come to the band room to get it. Mm -hmm. Uh, but they do have that. Uh, one of the things we did discover, though, is, you know, the Internet's not perfect, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, the lag time between the kid at home and wherever I'm at, like we're at school all day whether the kids are there or not, and we're still having to do the lessons, mm -hmm. the lag time gets really funny sometimes when you're trying to do a musical instrument lesson. Because mm. you'll see their fingers move. And then the sound may come two seconds later. Yeah. Yeah, that, that gets really weird. Because that, as a, the director or the instructor teaching them, you have to see what their hands are doing and hear what they're playing at right. the same time. Right, Wow. How do you overcome something like that? The best you can. That's all you can do. Because, you know, we didn't create this. We were forced into the situation because of what happened. Mm -hmm. um, just do the best you can. Tell the kids, it's okay, we'll get through this. If things don't change, how long do you think it would take? Because before, like you said, it was um, the young girl that learned numerous instruments. Yes, sir. That was within, what, five, six months? Uh, well, in that process, it was sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, three years. Okay, three years. Uh -huh. If we stay to right where we're going digitally, with Zoom and everything like that, how would that expand that time frame? Depends on if the child would even have a desire to do that, because even with the one instrument, they're struggling. So to do multiple instruments, that would be an exponentially larger struggle, because of you know, of course, the internet issues and trying to get the proper music to them because some of them still haven't figured out how to download music even though I've sent it to the, we use uh, Google Classroom. Mm -hmm. So I put music into the classroom as a file and some of them may not have printers, uh, some of them may not have internet access at home, mm -hmm. which creates an issue. Uh, just lots of variables that we're just trying the best to get around. Okay. What would you say are the next steps for you right now? Keep practicing. Keep practicing. Keep practicing. Because as things open up, it's just going to get bigger and better. Where do you see your, your, not your talents, but I guess your career as a musician going? 
Wow. When they tear, tear North Soto Middle School down, I'll probably still be standing there on the concrete slab. Playing saxophone. Playing saxophone, <laughs> yeah. Uh, as far as bands, hard to tell. A lot of bands have already broken up because of the COVID restrictions. Mm -hmm. um, fortunately, Flashback hasn't. There's multiple configurations of the band that we can do. Like we uh, played in Texarkana last, last weekend and where we performed at was a very small, nice eating place. So instead of the nine piece, we took a four piece. Mm. So we can we can break it up in different sections like that. But yeah, there's places all over we can play at, just can't, not a lot right this moment in Louisiana. Yeah. But Texas, we did Texas. So yeah, they're opening things up that we can't do here yet. Okay. It's gonna get interesting. Oh yeah, definitely. So right now, if you had your pick, uh oh who would you want to play with right now aside from your band who would i want to play with mm -hmm. locally or if you could pick anyone anyone i'd love to go to the west coast and hang out with warren hill because mm. he was he was so helpful me helpful to me during the time that i needed somebody to talk to mm -hmm. I want to say that it was definitely a pleasure and an honor having you on the show today. Um, definitely look forward to having you back on here again. Anytime. And if you need anything, just let us know. Appreciate that. Any last words you want to say? Don't give up. Main thing, don't give up. Thanks again. Yes, sir. Thank y'all, and we'll be back next week with something else.